On this episode of the Southeast Michigan Podcast, it's national championship time, baby. Let's go. Boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast, free and available wherever you listen. Please hit us up on the socials, Facebook, Southeast Michigan Podcasts, Twitter slash X at SC underscore MI underscore pod. And uh, hit me up there. Yeah, like I said, chit chat, ask me questions, follow the show, whatever. But um, we'll talk some news and notes, transfer portal. Sugar Bowl here in segment one, then we'll bounce to segment two after Ann Arbor and recruiting. Uh, and then uh, we'll close out with the national championship and the United States World Junior Team. So we'll start out with the Transportal, always updating, always making things exciting. Um, had some key moves since the uh, New Year's Day Bowl games, and we'll get to it right now. Seth McLaughlin, Alabama center, has now, has now transferred and committed to Ohio State. He entered the portal the day after the Rose Bowl loss. So, <clears throat> Ohio State trying to bolster his offensive line, and I've seen on Twitter a lot of Ohio State fans were saying something about him not actually going there to play center than you know, more likely going to be a, a left or right guard. So I don't know, you know, Ohio State's um, offensive line depth, you know. But either way, uh, he had quite his hands full with Mason Graham and, and uh, Kenneth Grant. So going to be in Columbus to probably finish out his uh, collegiate career. Uh, backup Washington quarterback Dylan Morris transfer, transfers to James Madison. Morris was Washington quarterback in the 2021 game. Uh, when they traveled to Ann Arbor. Uh, Ole Miss running back Quinchon Judkins under the portal. He's rushed for 2,725 yards and 31 touchdowns in his first two seasons as a Rebel. His yards per carry is down, though, from 5.7 to 4.3, being that of uh, the 2022 and 2023 seasons. Uh, Kansas State quarterback Will Howard is transferring to Ohio State. So, um. You know, I've seen a lot of things about, you know, you know, you know, Will Howard's a gamer. He's he's won a couple big games, blah blah blah. Ohio State got a good one, and um, I mean, we'll have to see it on the field in uh, in the Big Ten. But to me, losing Kyle McCord and getting Will Howard, I think you're pretty much just kind of going uh, as of right now in this time. Uh, it looks like you're just kind of more like a lot, making a more of a lateral move. But teach your zone. We'll see. We'll see how he does. Uh, Julian Fleming, you know, we've been kind of waiting for the confirmation, and he is now officially going to Penn State. Now reading that, I feel like I've mentioned that before, well, the last episode, the episode before, but I can't remember. I wrote it down anyways. But, um, but yeah, Calvin Cord and, and Fleming were both eyeing Nebraska. Obviously, that didn't happen, and uh, they both respectfully go their own way. Um, C.J. Stokes. 
Michigan running back predicted to transfer to Indiana. And freshman corner Cameron Calhoun to either Arkansas State or Cincinnati. That's according on three. Cal Calhoun is an Ohio kid from that area. So maybe a move back to near home is something that uh, he's willing to make. But, you know, he was uh, um, one of the kids that committed right after the Michigan victory at Ohio State last season and didn't really get much too much playing time. I mean, but, you know, he's a young freshman behind a lot of veterans in the secondary. So, um, you know, I don't know what the reasoning is, but. Like I said, it's probably got something to do with uh, proximity to home, but it's not like Ann Arbor's that far away. Either way, good luck to them and uh, best endeavors. Uh, next is special teams. Joey Velasquez, Michigan player, of course, entered the portal as well. Velasquez is a two-sport athlete. This probably hurts Michigan baseball more than football. Um, but Joey was on record during his recruitment uh, saying that uh, the change of the culture in the Michigan program was going to happen during his time, and it did. I mean, he wasn't uh, necessarily a huge contributor in terms of, like, the limelight and, and uh, a starter on defense by any means, but, you know, he was a uh, a key role in the, in the uh, uh, kickoff and stuff like that. Uh, Oklahoma State quarterback Alan Bowman will return for a seventh season. Bowman was a freshman at Texas Tech in 2018 and spent the 2022 season as a Michigan uh, third or fourth string backup before transferring last season. 2018, Texas, uh, excuse me, Texas Tech went 5-7 under Cliff Kingsbury. So, long time ago, pretty much, <clears throat> I'll say, carried the torch after Baker Mayfield transferred. But, I mean, man, 2018, it seems many moons ago. <laughs> um but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much your transfer portal update. Obviously, um, you know one one that uh, is going to be kind of an important one to watch is just Will Howard in general. Um, we'll see how how the the fan base accepts that for Ohio State and and uh, yeah, I get apparently he came out already had a, a quote saying uh, beating. The team up north is priority number one before on uh, getting to the national championship and all our other goals. So, um, already trying to sound the part. <clears throat> all right, let's get into Washington, Texas, real quickly. Um, Washington wins thirty-seven, thirty-one over the Longhorns. Obviously, this is a few days ago, and I say more than a few days ago, but. Last week, or earlier this week, I just wanted to do the Rose Bowl. There's a lot to unpack and, and whatnot, but um, real quick, stat lines. Penix Jr., 29-38, 430 yards, two touchdowns. Dylan Johnson carried the ball 21 times for 49 yards and two touchdowns. Left the game re-aggravating a foot injury he's been dealing with for uh, two months or so. And head coach Kalen DeVore said he will be suiting up for Monday. So uh, he left the field wincing in pain. Like, uh, it was the last drive, uh, the last Washington Huskies drive, for that matter. And when he got up off the field limping, man, he, uh, I mean, it looked bad. Um, and, and I didn't see it, but apparently he was in a walking boot for the remainder of the time there. But, uh, I mean, you would you would believe it that he is out there, that uh, he's, I would say, maybe 70%, 80%. Um Next here, Roma Dunze, six catches, 125 yards. James Polk, five catches, 122 yards on a tutty. 
Uh, Quinn Ewers, 24, 43, 318 and a touchdown. C.J. Baxter, 9 carries for 64 yards and a touchdown. Jaden Blue, 9 carries for 59 yards, excuse me, and one touchdown. Uh, almost 1,000 yards of total offense between these two teams. Um, while Texas had a chance to win this game in the closing moments, uh, the Longhorns lost a penalty battle, time of possession, turnovers, and just couldn't get to Penix in the pocket. No sacks. Uh, I think they had like 16 hurries, but no sacks. Uh, with Dylan Johnson getting hurt, with 47 seconds left, the clock stopped for an injury timeout. Texas didn't have any timeouts left, so it essentially kept them in the game. And so instead of that clock just bleeding dry, uh, the Longhorns had one more shot to do it, and they came very close to uh, to pulling it out. Uh, things that stood out to me in this game was, mo uh, was most thought that the Longhorns would bully the Huskies. You know, did the show with Jeff at Real Talk, and, you know, he's, he thought the Longhorns were going to bully them. Uh, out the arena, and, uh, you know, he wasn't the only one. I mean, a lot of people thought that the Texas was going to win this one, but, you know, Washington has, has come out on top in, in every game this year, whether it's been by a touchdown or three points or whatnot, man, they've been able to battle through everything, and um, uh, they did, of course. Uh, the Longhorns pressured Penix Jr., but were not able to get sacked. Duh, I just said that. Washington was basically one-dimensional as well. Uh, Johnson was not effective running that ball, uh, 2.3 per carry, despite finding the end zone twice. So, you know, I wouldn't say, I don't know. I mean, being, like I said, I think he's going to go into this Michigan game with a natty, you know, 70%. But, you know, going into this one, maybe, you know, maybe 80, 90%. Um, you know, looking at stats, I mean, he's, he's, he's produced still, uh, apparently he's still being banged up, but. Um, you know, I think Washington is just, is kind of, I think they're okay with being one dimensional, you know, they're going to throw the ball, trying to gonna throw the ball 45, uh, 40, 45 times anyways, but, um, they, they can live with it, I guess. Um, yeah. Let's see. But yeah, that's, it's really, Sorry, I lost my spot. That's really about it. But yeah, I, I watched this game. It's kind of annoying because it was on. I mean, East time, Eastern time. It was up. It was what, like one a.m., one thirty. And I know the Rose Bowl game. I mean, we were at the bar watching it. Like I said in the last episode, we were at the Brown Jug, and it's just like commercial after commercial after commercial. And, you know, they want to do, you know, tweak all these rules to get the, the play clock to keep moving to shorten the games up. But it's like, they just, they do that and then you just got more freaking commercials. Um, and this one, I, I like I only said, I only seen like the last quarter or so after we got home and I was kind of laying in bed and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to flip the game on and it, uh, it went well into the night, but you know, it's unfortunate that, uh, Dylan Johnson's injury extended the game when it shouldn't have, but that's where we're at. So, yeah, this, I guess that's all I can really talk about. Just uh, another one of those one-possession games for the Huskies. All right, let's get into segment two. But before we do, sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity, and I want to connect you all with an opportunity to get started or get ahead. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits 
and there has never been a better time to sign up. When you visit my page, signupexpert.com backslash southeast, you will be connected to all the sports books in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sports books have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and when you register through my link, you will automatically receive the top offer for each one. I'm telling you right now, for example, you head over to that link that's in the description box. Right now, if you're in the state of Michigan, Wheel of Fortune Casino, if you open up an account, you'll get a 100% deposit match up to $2,500 plus a $25 bonus. So when you use multiple sports books, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. If you want to take advantage of these benefits and support our brand, please consider signing up for your next sports book. Again, that's signupexpert.com backslash, backslash southeast. All right, back for segment two. We have a light recruiting update here and uh, after Ann Arbor. So the recruiting class of 2025 got bigger. Michigan is at 10th overall, according to Rivals.com. And uh, they locked in their fourth verbal. Uh, Four-star tight end out of Alcoa, Tennessee, Eli Owens. As of this recording, it's January 6th. They recorded two days ago on the 4th. Uh, Eli Owens has 20 schools of interest. Uh, and he's got about 16 or so offers. Most notably, Tennessee, Ohio State, Michigan State, Bama. Um, made numerous visits uh, through a lot of these. He's visited Michigan about five times on, on uh, according, you know, according to Rivals here. He's visited Cincinnati, visited Ohio State three times, Tennessee three times, Virginia Tech twice, Wisconsin once. I mean, he's damn near to every one of these schools. But uh, took an unofficial visit twice in uh, November, um, and I believe he was there the weekend of the Ohio State game. And uh, Eli Owens, 6'3", 220 pounds, uh, number six tight end overall, seventh in the state. Excuse me, and he's 209th nationally. Uh, and again, this is a 2025 class, so he's going to be, uh, you know, a lot can happen between now and then in terms of rankings going up, down, left, right. Um, next is our mini segment here after Ann Arbor. We've done this in the, the third one, I believe. Uh, third or fourth, but hopefully you guys caught the, uh, the previous ones. We are basically revisiting past... Michigan Wolverines, whether they um, were a commit at one point and never stepped on campus or did play for the Wolverines uh, throughout their entire career or played and transferred, you get the you get the deal. You get the gist. Uh, so, for example, we've uh, done Sam McGuffey, DeMar Dorsey. You know, DeMar Dorsey was a highly rated safety, and uh, before he could even get to campus – he was denied uh, because of his grades not being up to snuff for the University of Michigan. So uh, I forget what episodes those are in, but uh, they were probably in within the last month or so. But hopefully you guys caught that. And uh, today's former Michigan player is five-star defensive tackle Will Campbell. 
Walt Campbell out of Cast Tech in Detroit, Michigan. Six foot five, 317 pounds. He was a Michigan commit on January 4th, 2009. So almost uh, an anniversary, if you will, here. Um, on Rivals, it's showing, it seems like a lot of these, like, 10-plus year uh, recruiting classes, whatever, they kind of, like, weed out uh, schools of interest in the, in the in the database here that weren't, like, necessarily the finalists to, to be chosen. So, like, it's showing 5 of five, 5, of five, like I said, but, like, you know, he had more offers than that. So, you know, maybe they just weeded out the irrelevant ones. But either way, they got Miami, Florida, LSU, Florida, Bama, and, of course, Michigan here. Um, let's get into his page. So he played high school football under head coach Thomas Wiltshire at Cass Tech High School in Detroit. While in high school, the six foot five defensive tackle was also the team's punter. That was interesting. And kicker. And he ran a 40 yard dash in 4.9 seconds. That's even more interesting. He played in the U.S. Army All-American Bowl, was selected as a first team All-American by Parade Magazine. EA Sports and Super Prep Magazine. He was ranked as the best high school player in Michigan, the best defensive player in the Midwest, and one of the top high school players in the United States. Campbell had numerous scholarship offers and eventually narrowed his choice to Miami, LSU, or Michigan. And if I'm not mistaken, it was the mentioned Ar uh, Army All-American Bowl where he uh, committed um, after that game uh, to, uh, to U of M. Um, college career... He had committed to play for the Michigan or play for Michigan while Lloyd Carr was head coach, but reopened his recruiting in September 2008 after Rich Rod took over as head coach in January 2009 on the sidelines. There it is on the Army All American Bowl. Campbell committed to Michigan. I remember, I don't know if it, I don't know if that game still happens, and I don't know uh, if it does, if, if players still do this, but I remember back in this time, you know, a lot of players would commit during this game, whether it was at halftime or when they were on the sidelines like this. Um, but either way, Campbell enrolled early at Michigan in 2009 and participated in the Michigan football team spring practice. During the 2009 season, Campbell appeared as a true freshman in all 12 games on special teams and played in nine games as a defensive tackle. The 2010 season, midway through the 2010 season, head coach Rich Rodriguez assigned Campbell to offensive line. He also appeared as a fullback in goal line situations. He appeared in all 13 games for Michigan and received his second varsity letter. 2011, when the new head coach Brady Hoke took over in 2011, Campbell met with Hoke and asked to return to the defense. In March 2011, Hoke announced that Campbell was returning to the defense. Campbell appeared in all 13 games for the 2011 Michigan team. He recovered a fumble in Michigan's come-from-behind victory over Notre Dame in the first night game ever played at Michigan Stadium. After a disappointing showing in his first two seasons, Campbell won praise in the press for his improved play in 2011. In late May 2012, Campbell was charged with a fel felony malicious destruction of property arising out of an incident on April 7th in which the 322-pound athlete slid across the hood of a Lincoln Town car, causing damage to the hood. He reached a plea deal in June 2012 in which the felony charge was waived in exchange for a guilty plea to a misdemeanor charge and an agreement to pay $2,100 in restitution to the vehicle's owner. In August 2012, Campbell showed up to training camp having lost 46 pounds. A writer for an Ann Arbor newspaper reported, 
Overweight and out of shape for most of his career, Campbell generally spent the first week of Michigan football practice catching his breath and figuring out how do you make it through the first month of the season. Not this time, though. I'm not huffing and puffing anymore, the senior defensive tackle said after practice Monday. I'm not dying right now. Teammate Taylor Juan added, his conditioning shows it. You should see him run. It's like a gazelle. Unreal. Team captain Denard Robinson joked, Will shows off his stomach more than I do. You can tell that he lost a lot of weight. Campbell was a starter defensive tackle for the 2012 Michigan Wolverines football team. He appeared in all of Michigan's first nine games. He totaled a career-high five tackles and an unassisted sack in the opener against Alabama. He appeared in 47 consecutive games for Michigan. He was a 2012 All-Big Ten Honorable Mention selection by the media for the 2012 Wolverines. Now, uh, real quickly, if you go, let's go to... Uh, his sports reference page. So in four years, all at Michigan, um, played in 24 games total, 39 assisted, 63 total tackles, five tackles for loss and only three sacks, um, four pass defense, one fumble recovery. So did not live up to that five-star hype. Uh, obviously, I know those, uh, you know, the 2010 season is, uh, is going to be not the prettiest to look at because of his switched offensive line, which uh, didn't seem like um, he was really willing to do uh, under Rich Rodriguez, but he did it anyway. Um, and, you know, had somewhat of a productive 2012 season, kind of. But out of that, you know, you want to get a five-star defensive lineman, you need way more production than that. And, you know, even till this day, Michigan landing five-star defensive lineman more so defensive tackle they just have not gotten that production you know Aubrey Solomon comes to mind you know recently you know a few years ago you know he uh, transferred to was it Tennessee um, just never lived up to the uh, the hype another one you could probably mention is uh, Donovan Jeter uh, you know came on had a strong senior season but again you want to get five star numbers out of the, the, those type of guys and uh, but yeah, anyways, um, played for the New York Jets. He was drafted in the sixth round in, in 2013. Uh, he was released the following year. Um, played for the Bills, Packers, Titans. He went to the Canadian Football League, played for the Toronto Argonauts, uh, the Tampa Bay Vipers, Seattle Dragons, and the XFL. Um, so yeah, Will Campbell. Uh, another, you know, there's a couple more players in his class that we'll probably do after Ann Arbor on. You know, um, on Wikipedia, whatever you type in his name, there's a couple people's, uh, or a couple people that are sitting next to him, other players, um, and I see their names on their jerseys, and I'm like, you know what, I remember that dude too, and we probably should tackle that. <laughs> um, but uh, but anyways, um, well, to get into segment three here, we're gonna recap World Juniors, and we'll talk Natty uh, with the moment from our other sponsor. Don't you love the thrill and excitement of what sports can bring on the playing field? What about the thrill it can bring in a box? Sports Loot can provide the everyday fan a wide variety of autographed sports memorabilia and mystery boxes. From autographed hockey pucks to NFL full-size helmets, Sports Loot provides the biggest names of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Each autographed item is certified for the most reputable authentication companies in the business. I've been a customer for over four years. I can tell you firsthand after experiencing other similar companies 
prior to Sportsuit, I'll never go back. So log on to thesportsuit.com and check out their selection. And if you have any inquiries, shoot them an email. That's thesportsuit.com. All right, back for segment three. We're going to close out the show here. Recapping real quick the World Juniors uh, right before we get into the National Championship game here on Monday night. So the World Juniors, we kind of talked about it in previous episodes. Um, college hockey, very interesting on how this world works. Uh, just the the sport of hockey in general with all the different leagues and uh, prep teams and all that stuff like that. But with college hockey, there's kind of a pause at the end of November and uh, part of December, well, pretty much all of December here with, uh, you know, the holidays and it uh, everything gets kind of put on the back burner for like almost like the World Juniors, like a minor version of the Hockey Olympics. Um, and, you know, some teams will send players to uh, their respected country representatives and uh, playing a tournament style for, you know, bronze, silver, gold. Um and Michigan this year sent four of their roster players, Gavin Brindley, Frank Nazar, uh, Rucker McGordy, and Seamus Casey. And the United States team here swept the tournament and won the gold. Uh, Rucker McGordy, a Winnipeg Jet draft pick, was named the Team USA captain. Um, this is a third time in the last four years the captain of the U.S. National Junior Team is from U of M uh, and is a sixth American and seventh Wolverine to earn the prestigious international honor. He joins Luke Hughes, Cam York, Zach Wierenski, Kevin Porter, Eric Nystrom, and Mac Van Ryn, Mike Van Ryn, excuse me, who was captain of Canada squad. Um, on December 20th, excuse me, December 26th, so the day after Christmas, Michigan, or Michigan, excuse me, the United States team Faced out in the first round against Norway, beat them four to one. Gavin Brindley, I believe, scored twice in this one, and so uh, one nothing the United States. Uh, December twenty eighth, they beat Switzerland eleven to three. Followed that up with a victory on December 29th over Croatia, four to three. On December thirty first, New Year's Eve. Uh, Rucker McGordy had a hat trick and they defeated Slovakia 10 to 2. Uh, McGordy was named player of the game and scoring his first three goals of a tournament of the tournament in the game that decided the group winner as Slovakia entered it with a one point edge over the U of the U S. Um, Frank Nazar spotted two assists. Gavin Brindley had a three point game. Seamus Casey returned to lineup after having an illness and was plus two. Um, Next, on January 2nd, USA beat Latvia 7-2. Seamus uh, Casey with another three-point game. Um, January 4th, the United States beat Finland 3-2. U.S. battled back from a 2-0 deficit to, to, defeat, excuse me, to defeat Finland 3-2 in the semifinal and advanced to the gold medal game against host Sweden. Seamus Casey had his sixth assist with the primary helper on the team USA's first goal in the second period. Gavin Brindley collected his ninth pin, ninth point with an assist on the game winner in the third, a goal on power play. Um, Rucker McGordy did not register a point, but was a huge reason for the game-winning goal with a screen of Swedish of the Swedish goaltender. Um, 
All right, and finally, excuse me, um, January 5th, yesterday, U uh, USA won the gold over Sweden 6-2. The USA scored three goals in the third period to clinch a 6-2 win over Sweden to capture uh, the prize. This is just the second American team to go through the tournament undefeated, joining the 2017 team and is the sixth gold medal for the USA. Um, Captain Rutger McGordy had a goal. And an assist, and Gavin Brindley had one assist. Frank Nazar set the record for most assists in a tournament by a Michigan player with eight. Brindley's 10 points is the second most by Wolverine, second to Mike Kamler's 11 for Canada in 2002. McGordy closed out his World Juniors experience with 16 points, the second most by Wolverine in his WJC career. So pretty cool. Um, and actually tonight... Uh, Michigan hockey is back on the ice versus uh, the U.S. Uh, I want to say, again, I'm not an expert, but I want to say it's like the, the the USA prep team or something like that or like something like I don't know. They do it every year, and my brain, I'm having a brain fart. Um, let's see here. I want to say it's on right now, actually. Or getting to. Yeah, and in this exhibition game anyways. But yeah, the uh the U eighteen USA U eighteen club. Alright. Um so yeah, congrats to those boys. And it was a it was a an interesting finish. So if you have Twitter or Twitter acts, whatever, I'd go on there or whatever and uh, type in World Juniors, but there was a a brawl between USA and Sweden, uh, with like 30 seconds ago, there was a lot of tempers flaring. Uh, the U.S. players were kind of flaunting throughout the game. You know, when they had scored, they were blowing kisses to the crowd. Sweden was the host team, so they were kind of in a hornet's nest there. Um, but, you know, a lot of people, it, it ruffles some feathers on the internet. Um, but the boys, the United States boys get the, uh, get the dub. All right, let's get into... The national championship. That's why we're doing this episode, anyways. Um, Washington fourteen and zero taking on Michigan fourteen and zero. Michigan opened up as a minus four and a half favorite, and it stayed that way. The over under is fifty six and a half or fifty five and a half, depending on where you look. Michigan is minus two hundred on the money line. Washington is plus one seventy. So. Let's do a quick background check on the Huskies. Penix Jr. on the season so far has thrown for 4,648 yards, 35 touchdowns, and only nine interceptions. He has thrown for 300 or more yards in 10 of 14 games. Dylan Johnson, 222 carries, 1,162 yards, and 16 touchdowns. And despite dealing with a foot injury for a while, Johnson has still been effective in that stat column. Um, but you can tell when he had when he wasn't facing strong run defenses like Oregon or USC compared to uh, better ones like Oregon State or Texas. And again, I want to reiterate that you know he was banged up, but you know when he has faced some of the stronger teams, you can definitely tell in the stat column box. Um, Roma Dunze, eighty-seven. Receptions for 1,553 yards and 13 touchdowns. That is good for 
yards per catch. James Polk, 65 receptions, 1,122 yards, 9 touchdowns, 17.3 yards per catch. As a team, they have 21 sacks and 16 interceptions. Uh, according to PFF, cornerback Jabbar Muhammad has 576 coverage snaps, 2 touchdowns allowed, 11 pass breakups, 3 interceptions, and a 62 passer rating allowed. Linebacker Idufuan Alafoshio, 31.0 coverage grade via PFF, highest linebacker grade this season. And 8 of 14 Washington games this year was a one possession. Uh, the Husky defense is allowing 24 points per game, which is 54th in the nation. And uh, Joel Klatt mentioned it on his show that uh, if Washington wins, this has been this will be the worst, worst, quote-unquote, or, you know, parenthesis fingers here, uh, defense to win a national championship. The other one was LSU being 53rd. Uh, so credit to Joel Klatt over there mentioning that on his show. Um, and this is, in terms of ranks, the number one pass offense and the number one rush offense. Um, so no, no, you know, secret that, uh, this is an air raid offense, right? But Dylan Johnson, when healthy is an absolute monster and, uh, you know, say what you will about the, the Trojan defense. I mean, he, he did run for 250 yards and a handful of touchdowns in that one. So he, he can fill up the stat sheet, he can do it on the field, but, you know, being banged up, whatever Michigan, um, this is essentially going to be facing a one-dimensional offense, but uh, with a special team like this, um, they can, without a doubt, you know, thrive off that if need be. Um, I'm going to read this graphic for you here. Um, speaking of PFF, highest-graded players in the national championship will go from ten to one. Um, number ten is Josiah Stewart for Michigan, eighty-three point seven. Will Johnson at 9 with 83.8. Josh Wallace at uh, yeah 85.7, which rated higher than Will Johnson. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Braylon Trice at 7. He's at 86 flat. Mason Graham is tied with Dylan Johnson. So Mason Graham, Michigan's D-tackle, 88.2, as well as running back Dylan Johnson for Washington. Number 4, Roma Dunze, 89.1. Michael Barrett. 89.8, J.J. McCarthy at 90.6, and Michael Penix Jr. at 91.9. So there you have it, according to PFF, on their highest-graded players overall. Um, since uh, I gave you the PFF grade on Jabbar Muhammad, here's Mike Sanderstills, Mikey Sanderstills, excuse me. 11 quarterback pressures, 5 picks, 6 pass breakups, 66.6 6 passer rating allowed, and 85 coverage grade. So elite, elite numbers there. And uh, Jabbar Muhammad, not too shabby uh, in his own right. All right, so huge game coming up, right? We'll get right into the what-ifs. So we'll start with Washington. Washington wins if. Uh, make Michigan play keep up. Play a high-scoring game and put up points, in which you got to make JJ. You want uh, JJ to try to. You want to test him to respond. So Michigan, boa constrictor, right? I'll probably mention that again before this is over. They uh, 
they play a different style of game. They're going to be balanced on paper, but they're going to lean on the run. And Washington has eked out several games by one possession, as we already noted. And that makes it better for them to light up the scoreboard and put the pressure on the other team's offense. Um, so, um, yeah, so sorry, that's one. So next one is let piggybacking off that one, essentially, is, is letting Michael Penix Jr. cook. Keep Penix Jr. on his feet and dial up quick throws. Washington hasn't played a defense like Michigan yet, and we'll have to be able to pick up the stunts and blitzes and, and everything that Jesse Minner is going to throw at him. So, you know, Penix Jr. is going to be looking at a uh, at a NFL defensive coordinator's defense um, from from his point, his POV. So, um, I'm sure they're going to you know try to get their guys in space. Uh, they're going to try to probably run rub routes, crossing routes. I mean, this is just like Joel Klatt said in, on a show, and Kirk Herbstreit said as well uh, when he was being interviewed for uh, interviewed on Rich Eisen. Uh, this is comparable to the 2021 Ohio State offense. You know, you got three talented wide receivers for Ohio State, and this one you got specifically a Dunze and Polk, um, and a team that's just going to sling it all over the yard. And in that game in the 2021, Michigan won. They held, you know, Ohio State to 23 points on the board. Um, but, you know, C.J. Stroud's, you know, got his numbers. Garrett Wilson got his numbers. Chris Olave got his numbers, you know. Um, you had to force Michigan turnovers and miscues. Michigan got really in its own way the entire Rose Bowl. Um, but... The team found a way to rebound. You can't let that happen. So when Michigan, you know, I don't want it to happen, right? But if I find Washington here and Samaj Morgan muffs another punt, we've got to score on it, you know? Jake Thaw back deep for punt at the end of the game, you know, strip that ball out. Um, JJ McCarthy makes an errant throw. Make sure your foot's in bounds, right? Um... So yeah, that, it's it's pretty simple for for Washington. You want to play it your way, and uh, stay out of the the grasp of the bull constrictor. Uh, Michigan wins if uh, Michigan can win this game without a doubt. If they can repeat twenty twenty one, but it's not the same Husky team. So like when Washington traveled to Ann Arbor, Michigan uh, I think threw the ball nine times the entire game, um, and Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins just kind of went off. Um, however, this offensive line has to open up the holes for Corman Edwards. We talked about that last week versus Bama, which for the most part they did. So to uh, you know, my surprise. And uh, again, bow constrictor of this game. And first, you do it by controlling the line of scrimmage and running the ball when you want to. Um, I'm sure Washington at times is going to put eight man in the box and make JJ throw over Tapia. Uh, and whether it's eight man, five man, four man. Freeman, I mean, whatever, you know, you got to be able to um, lean on your bread and butter, and that's running the ball. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. has only been sacked 10 times all season, which is complete opposite to what Bama was. Remember uh, in the preview last week, I said Bama has surrendered 43 sacks going into that game. Now it's 49. <laughs> Michael Penix Jr. has only been sacked 10. Um, Texas was unable to get him to the turf, despite uh, I think it was 16 or so pressures that were logged. Um, so Michigan and Jesse Minner will have to collapse that pocket. 
Um, we'll get to the, uh, more of that in a second. Rod Moore and Makari Page will need to come up big. Uh, not really facing an air raid offense all season. Michigan's back end will have to play eraser on uh, Washington's talented wide receiver room. So um, those boys in the back are going to be busy, and uh, they are going to have to wipe out any broken coverage or anytime one of these these talented wideouts get by um, Wallace or Will Johnson, if they do. Um, cliche as it can be, you know, win the turnover battle. No muck punts, limit penalties, and just play clean game. You know, um, it's just easier said than done, right? But, you know, that Bama game, that Rose Bowl game, you know, that is that was a wake-up call. We have to, uh, you know, these are young kids playing. The whole world's watching. You got the lights on you, but um, you want to win this game. You know, you can't, re you can't repeat last week. Um when it comes down to uh, the fundamentals and stuff like that. Uh, I'm going to give you three X factors in this from the Michigan um, perspective. My Michigan X factors here. Three players who who need to impact this game the most. You can make an argument for a few more that I won't mention, but um, this last one here might be kind of a, of a, bold, a bold take here. But uh, first one is going to be Rod Moore. And like I just said, he's going to have to be that eraser and get that, that, that pick. Get that closeout interception that he's uh, he's known for. Um, obviously, this team is going to be throwing the ball forty times at minimum, um, and we got to keep everything in front of us. Ben, but don't break if we have to. And uh, you know these guys have seen it before. Like I said, with the twenty twenty one Ohio State game, uh, even the twenty twenty two game, you know CJ Stroud back there slinging to more than one NFL wide receiver. And uh, these two wide receivers for Washington are going to be on NFL Sundays uh, sooner rather than later. Um, so our boy number 19, Rod Moore, is X-Factor number one. Number two, Mason Graham. Uh, don't allow Penix to step up a throw and get him moving east and west, allowing uh, the edge guys to bring him down. So I can't ex I can't say it enough. I think the, the line of scrimmage is going to be absolutely monumental in this one more so than ever, and I think it's going to start with Mason Graham up front, pushing that center, pushing that guard uh, into Penix Jr.'s face, into his, in his bubble, and uh, enough to point where Brain McGregor, Harrell, Moore, Josiah Stewart, all those other guys are going to be able to uh, to get Penix Jr. down. Um, and again, you're going to assume that Washington is going to be coming up with uh, – at least that, that first scripted drive, if, if Washington gets the ball first, I would not be surprised if they score a touchdown right away because they're going to have everything ready to go in their bag of tricks, and they're going to probably, I want to say, I haven't really watched too many Washington games. I don't know what their tempo is going to be, but again, I'd imagine them trying to get that ball out quick to uh, kind of negate that pass rush. Um, my third one, Donovan Edwards. I could say Blake Corum, I could say Loveland, or Roman Wilson. You know, last week I stressed that Roman Wilson needed to get targeted more. Um, but we have yet to really see that 2022 Dono uh, this season. He actually was doing an interview um, uh, for the national championship game and, you know, said that he's seen a mental health expert and, you know, trying to stay positive and try to work through what we would kind of call a – a slump maybe um 
but this team needs a long busted touchdown run in a big moment bad you know Jeff my buddy was really kind of banking on one against uh Bama and you almost thought it would happen because you know we talked about it, about how Bama in the first half was getting kind of pushed around on the line of scrimmage and it kind of started they started to seal it up a little bit in the third but in the fourth they, Michigan was able to run the ball again um and I thought, I was like, you know, maybe Donovan Edwards needs to get in there to take advantage of that. But um, I think it's time for our boy number seven to uh, to break out and see. And it, like I said, if he if he like in the, even in the Fiesta Bowl last year, that was it the first drive Michigan had, and he he busted like that it was a fifty or sixty yarder, didn't score, but put them in the red zone right away before Michigan choked that with a Philly special. But um, hey, that was that was a huge. Uh, statement run and uh, hopefully we see that again um, despite not getting the majority of the handoffs Michigan will really uh, greatly benefit from um, a breakout game from them. Um, final score prediction don't usually give a score prediction per se each week um, I want to say last was the last the Rose Bowl I can't remember did I say a three-point game but I didn't give a score either way I uh, I'm taking Michigan 38-27 here. I see. I was reading uh, the the Bleacher Report article, and they were picking Washington 34-30. Um, I would not be surprised if Washington leads at halftime, but you know Michigan has always been, well, I say always been, but it's been really a, a second half team in the last few years with uh, their defensive quarter making the right adjustments and being able to uh, do what they want to do. You know, Michigan was the was down for the first time in the second half last week, uh, all season. So I'm not afraid that, uh, you know, they, they can't go length of the field. You don't want to put yourself in that position anyways. But um, I think Michigan Athletics need to get this natty. Uh, Michigan's big three, hockey, basketball, football. All I've been so close in, in, in recent history, enough runner-ups. Just win the damn game. Become the first 15-0 Michigan team and uh, rub that salt in the wounds of the naysayers and just go be great. We'll go out and win this one. But um, I think Michigan's is faced... I think they've answered the call. You know, I don't. You know, when people say, can they answer adversity, I don't think it's... I think mean, you say they can't. So I was probably more nervous going into the Rose Bowl. Um... I still feel like going to that one as well. I just feel like it's just Michigan. You know, right now I'm just feeling like just Michigan can't lose. Like they, I just feel like they're destined to win this thing, whole thing. And the the dam, the levees have got a break, and uh, and being able to host the the trophy. And so I think they can do it. Thirty eight twenty seven. Like I said I think it'd be a very close first half, and uh, I think Michigan puts them away late. Um, but again. Got to get Pettigrew to the ground. Got to force some turnovers. And um, the secondary is going to have to play a game of their lives. Um, so next week after the game, we'll be back to discuss, review the season. I'll give you my thoughts on some of the key moments and highlights. Tease about the future. Um, maybe we'll talk about the EA Sports video game. Um, they're supposed to drop that announcement, their release date. Um, for this year, so we'll chit chat about that if we see anything cool. Um, yeah, probably 
do something where you pick the you know key plays of the game plays of the year hand out some mvps freshman of the year stuff like that like almost like our own miniature miniature award type show type deal uh but let me know what you thought about the rose bowl let me know what you think about monday night for the national championship where you where you uh where where's your mind at do so on the facebook page or on twitter backslash x um again that's at se underscore mi underscore pod and uh, don't be shy let's hear some feedback once uh, the football season wraps up here we're going to be shifting focus to michigan hoops and hockey um on one side of the coin and on the other is going to be sports document reviews and a little bit of everything in between so you know obviously we'll hit football up with you know recruiting and transfer portal stuff and it's gonna probably a an off season with some fireworks i don't think the ncaa has gone out into the night just yet i think they're gonna be back and obviously the the future of Jim Harbaugh and J.J. McCarthy is going to be something we're going to talk about. We don't know what his plans are yet. You know, every time he's asked any type of question regarding his time at Michigan in the future, it's just always a, a, a half-rounded answer, like you had one earlier. And uh, so, yeah. Um, but anyways, go blue, and I'll see you guys. In a few days after a national championship victory, go blue. Talk to you next time.